writer. Roisin is mum to two other amazing autistic kids and she's autistic herself. I wanted to learn more about Roisin, what her childhood was like and how it's informed her approach to parenting. To kick off, I was wondering, how would you describe your younger self? Okay, well, thank you very much for inviting me. Um, It's really lovely to be here. Um, My younger self, I guess, I could probably sum myself up in three words. Uh, um, Trees, well, three titles. Tree scrambler, bookworm, and daydreamer. That... (laughs) And I would make a lot of things as well. So that that kind of sums me up. I lived in a dream world when I was a child. <laughs> My parents said, you're away with the fairies. I thought that was the greatest compliment <laughs> ever because I love fairies. Brilliant. Well, when are they going to come and take me? Like, because <laughs> you know, so that was a great compliment. But I did always think to myself, well, when, you know, when, really, when? <laughs> I could relate to that definitely and yeah I I, as I was little I always sort of wanted to stay in trees I I was like why can't I just live it's the place to be I loved reading and tree like I would take my book up a tree and we had this tree like I lived in a really big housing estate and down the back if you went I mean we lived at if you imagine it like a hill we lived at the bottom and you would have to kind of walk up lots and lots of houses and then at the back of that there was a a really lovely lake and there was a tree with a crow's like it was called the crow's nest tree and it had like um metal footholds that you could climb up you could climb up into this tree and of course I had no fear so I would just climb up that tree sometimes there were people there sometimes there were beer cans there but I would just I didn't care like I just took my book up to that tree and would would sit there and sometimes um, sometimes I would forget to go to school in my later years and go sit up there <laughs> with my book. Yes. It sounds idyllic now as well, I have to say. Well, I don't know. I don't know if it was quite, you know, if it really was idyllic or if it's just that, you know, kind of rose-tinted glasses of youth, you know. <laughs> um, did you enjoy being a young person, which implies that you're an old person now, which obviously you're not. I wasn't sure how to phrase the question otherwise, but did you enjoy um, life when you were younger? Yes, I think from a young, until I realized I was quite different, I had a vet, like I, my primary school years were, I did, you know, they were wonderful. They were so, I mean, I had just brilliant teachers and went to an all-girls school so that was much easier (laughs) and yes I I really really did and then sort of when I was 11 or so things started to change and things got more difficult but yes those childhood I mean I I was very good at amusing myself. I, I, as long as I had a book and some, you know, glue and, you know, my dad would save all the new, the wallpaper scraps and all the odd paints and give me matchboxes and I'd make little houses and things like that. So I was very content child, like, you know, re- I really, really was. Yeah. And they would just let me do. <laughs> they were just so sort of like, oh, they would call me Roisin. So some people call me Roisin. My parents call me Roisin, still do. And when I'm home, I'm Roisin to everyone. So they would say, oh, Roisin's just off doing her wee thing, you know, just, yeah. So they, you know, they just, you know, allowed me just to kind of indulge myself. 
<laughs> in little things. And we didn't have a lot of money, but it didn't matter. Yeah. I had a library and I had like little odds and ends. I was very content. That sounds lovely. And was it then, do you think the switch to, to senior school was where the sort yes, of but it was also a, a realization, a consciousness that sort of emerged that I find things very, like it's easy. You know, I had a lot of friends in primary school and it was much more difficult to carry those over into secondary school and I just became so much more self-aware and not in a comfortable way so as the self-awareness grew my discomfort grew and I just and then I kind of you know it's really strange because I meet people you know my friends from back from back then and they describe me in a completely different way to what I see myself and they say oh you were so bolshy and you really knew what you wanted and I was like really because <laughs> in my head like I you know I was completely clueless so and I don't know if that is an autistic thing that my reality and the actual reality are two different stories going on um but yeah yeah so I was I wouldn't say I was unhappy you know in my teenage years but I was certainly you know I just I struggled a lot and I even though school was relatively easy I did actually find it hard to concentrate and to stop looking out the window and things like that and yeah. organize myself and yes. Is there advice that you'd that you'd give to your your younger self if you could? Certainly my teenage self would be to 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 kind of to not be so self-critical of myself and that you I, I had a lot of um eating issues. I you know and I just constantly felt the need to fit in like whatever whatever shape that took, whether that was exercising a lot or you know refusing food or whatever. And it would and you know, I, I would go back and tell myself, you're beautiful. You, you know, you're a lovely person. You don't need to, to kind of be so self-critical. And that's what I tell myself every day because I still struggle with it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think it's, it's something that we all need to hear, isn't it? Yes. Yes. And, and, you know, also just to, to, to not be such a perfectionist, if I, if I could, you know, like, and and maybe I wouldn't be such a perfectionist now if I told my younger self that this was um, a road to ruin, being so so much a perfectionist. Yeah, I think I think that's so common amongst autistic folk, isn't it? That per, that sort of strive to be perfect and perfectionism, and then also I think issues around eating as well, because I know I would have had so well, I would have had issues around eating too, and I think it's. It, there's so many layers to it because it can be sort of sensory issues along with yeah. sort of wanting to fit in and there's there's lots of other things that I think can be at play for autistic people that might not be there for for non yes and just obsessing over things as well you know so I became obsessive almost about that side of things and almost so much that my whole you know my studies fell down you know things like that and you know I was I almost felt like I was like a shadow, you know, going through life. I'm really only shaking that off since becoming a mother. Yeah, yeah. Which I'm sure we'll talk about later. Was there anyone, so you, you kind of mentioned that your your folks were very supportive when you were little and they kind of let you off into your, your little dream world. Or yeah, 
Yeah, um, certainly when I was a younger child, when I got older, it was much more difficult. Like the relationship was, I have a wonderful relationship with my parent, but I, I mean, I probably made it quite difficult for them in, in reality. But my, you know, both my parents, but my dad, I'm real daddy's girl, you know, so um, my, you know, we would go for walks and things like that. And we'd go to mass and, and, you know, and then we'd go to a cafe and, you know, I can just see, still see it. And those were really special times, even when I was older. And I had teachers at school who were so supportive. Like, I mean, they were just what they just really, um, they saw my love of, of books and and real thirst for knowledge, and they gave me every opportunity to to kind of, you know, re, you know, to kind of quench the thirst that I that I had. And then I had um, I did ballet and dance that like I I thought I was going to be a ballet dancer, but that did I broke my foot, and so that was not going to happen. And so I, my PE teacher, like she also did, we did a lot of dancing at school, like contemporary dance. I mean, I, I don't know of any other, when I talked to a lot of my friends, they were, you know, from different schools, they're like, we didn't do anything like that. So that was really special. My English teacher was, was very supportive. And, and yeah, and my auntie Pat, who, when I moved to London to university, she looked after me. So she was very, you know, um, she was very supportive as well. It's, it's lovely to hear that that your teachers were so supportive as well, because I'm assuming that you got your diagnosis later. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Like much, much later, like late 30s. And I'm well, I'm nearly 50, I'm 50 this year. So, yeah, so much later. And some teachers did not tolerate me like, you know, they weren't all, you know, tolerant of my quest, constant questioning and going, hey, I don't think that's right. You know, and, and those moments like not all teachers were um you know, they did not like that. But my English teacher, my PE teacher, stroke dance teacher, and I had a few English teachers who, oh, they just love, you know, they were just so supportive and they gave me books that I still have. And, you know, so things like you know, those teachers certainly were, you know, really. And my PE teacher passed away a few years ago and I wish I told her how much like she meant to me. Like that's my, that's one of my regrets in life that I hope she, I hope she realized, but yeah, she gave me a lot of opportunities to go off and dance and do things. So always so grateful for that. I'm, I'm sure she could sense it. Definitely. I'm sure she could see the difference so. that it made. I wasn't very good at that, you know, saying, you know, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> you know conveying my gratitude I'm much better now but back then I was probably just not very good at that and <laughs> um, would you have any advice um for people who are sort of supporting autistic young people then from from what you've been through and the support you've received yes so as an as an autistic parent I I, I would just say you know to take life as slow as you possibly can obviously when I was growing up life was a lot slower and potentially that's why things might have been easier for you know for for me my parents worked they both worked but they worked shifts so they were there was always someone there and they never rushed me like to do anything I mean we had to do housework and things like that which I never enjoyed doing I love it now but I'd never enjoyed doing when I was a child and so there was always a bit oh I just want to read my book and they were like (laughs) 
<laughs> so um just to take life as slow as you possibly can you know and when you feel you know when parents tend to feel very overwhelmed I feel or even people who are supporting young autistic people is when they try and push them too far too fast or have high expectations of what they should be able to do and you know and it's all about not tolerance. You know, people talk about tolerance and I'm like, no, I, I you're not going to tolerate me. You're going to accept me for who I am. I, you don't, um, you know, tolerable is not enough, you know, and, and it is really, I think once you slow down enough to, 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 to kind of, you know, deal with situations properly when they arise, because sometimes um, you, you're on defense mode constantly and that is when you're not really taking the time to kind of work through problems as they come and really try and find solutions and you know, when I when Dara was about three Dara's my eldest I knew that I couldn't work anymore so and and I mean we took a massive financial we we went through a really rough time but to me it was more important um, it didn't matter not to have money, you know, it was more important that I could take, I just knew instinctively that this was what was necessary for this situation to go smoothly. It was never going to work if I was working. And I, obviously that's a very privileged standpoint. Not everyone can do that, but I definitely felt that, you know, people say to me, you know, oh my gosh, you know, how do you do it? You know, and I, you know, and I'm just like, well, I've just taken life very, very, very slowly. And I just don't rush. Like I don't rush things. And I, and I don't know if that is, you know, why I, I haven't met with you, you know, I, I don't really view them as challenges. I just view them as happenings that need to be taken care of. Like when, you know, your child has high anxiety or they refuse to go to school or, you know, any of those really massive issues that you have with autistic children. And I think, I think people are realizing more and more that um, a slower pace of life really does help autistic children, you know, and that, I can't that to me that's the most important thing and just really listening to them and not having those high expectations and and also not blaming not you know and, and not trying to make them fit in to the norm you know please don't do that because you know who wants to be normal anyway <laughs> and what is normal it's just a self-constructed you know ideology of what should be and you know, it would be pretty boring if we were all the same. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. And I think it's it's really interesting, that idea of slowing down, because I think over lockdowns, I think a lot of people were kind of forced into that position and had been sort of, we'd all been on a bit of a treadmill. And suddenly mm. when things had to stop, and I think a lot of autistic adults as well suddenly had that feeling of like, oh, I can take a breath. And I feel much healthier when I can take that breath. So I think an awful lot of people are sort of yeah. trying yeah. to And nothing changed for us. Very little changed for us. And people were talking about things that we've been doing 
for years, you know, things that would soothe them, like going for a walk or listening to birdsong. And I'm like, we've been doing this, or, you know, forever, you know, since my children were born. So, you know, and I, I felt really, I felt so overjoyed when I was hearing people, you know, t- talking about slowing down. And I'm just like, I re- you know, what I, what I really hoped for was that, you know, they wouldn't just go back to normal, that they would take some of what, you know, these new experiences they were having and put them into their everyday lives. Because I really do, do think that it makes a massive difference when you, you know, you take that time to look after yourself and, and your loved ones. Absolutely. And I think like for me, when I was little, nature was always, where I needed to be to feel yes. comfortable and safe and happy yes. and as I got older I sort of slightly fought against that almost even though I still mm. loved it I kind of was like well, no I have to be in the world all the time and you know it, it became less of a feature and then if I realized that being in nature was like a reset for me and then I realized more recently that I can have that reset every day if I want to and like how valuable that is so yeah I absolutely agree I think taking time to slow down and see what it is that brings us joy and comfort is so important but also we can so easily forget to do it yeah I mean as a society we're programmed to go 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 you know they tell us that you know productivity and you know and it's 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 so toxic that whole narrative of of that perpetuating belief that we need to be busy all the time and I've always you know, I'm a highly sensitive person as well as being an autistic person. And I lose energy very, very quickly. And I just knew instead, it took me a long time to actually realize this, that I actually need to take life very, very slow in order to be content and happy, you know, and that's, I'd rather be poor than to have to have the other alternative. Yeah, yeah. that makes perfect sense. Um, so you have a really unique perspective because you were an autistic child, you're raising autistic children. Um, so you kind of have both perspectives on it. So is there any advice that you give to an autistic young person in terms of sort of communicating with their folks and the people around them? Okay, so I'm probably not going to give the <laughs> the right answer to this, but it's my answer. And honestly, I feel there's too much pressure on autistic children to take the lead. Why should they, you know, why should they be the ones to to have that responsibility? They're children. So if we're tuning into our children, then they shouldn't have to, you know, obviously my experience is different to someone who's got a nonverbal autistic child. I can't you know, I cannot comment on that because I've not, my children have had periods where they haven't spoken, but I always find that I didn't judge them. So, and I had no, you know, I just thought that, um, you know, uh, there is the expectation is, is a really big piece of, of really connecting with autistic children, because if you, if you, unconditionally accept them for who you are you should to me I don't know like people are probably going to shout at me down the line that the 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 problems that you encounter will never be so overwhelming because I mean I've dealt with I mean I've dealt with it all believe me intense bullying self-harm I mean I have dealt with it all in with my children and I've just never overreacted and I've always just 
tried to keep as calm as possible. And and that's my responsibility, you know, and being very attuned, like, you know, microscopically attuned to my children's needs. And I never, you know, it was my job, it was my responsibility to, to kind of um, to, to communicate, to, to try and draw the communication out of them instead of expecting them to come and have fully formed communicative ideas to me, who's the grown up. So um, that's my view on that. <laughs> I think that's gorgeous. I think that is a lovely view. What benefits do you think being autistic brought? Um, both when you were a little person and now? So I think my I saw the world through magical eyes when I was a child. Everything held magic. Everything held curiosity. I was in love with the world. And I just think that was, you know, seeing that I didn't realize how beautiful that was until I saw it in my own children. Like that same, you know, that same wonder and that same innocence and purity that I had as a child. And, you know, and. I mean, I when we were reading books when we were little in school, you know, people would say, you know, when Dick and Dora had their, you know, their family tea or whatever, like they they just never had tea to me. They were celebrating some, you know, well, they were just, you know, they well, they just had a letter from their auntie in America. And <laughs> it was like this wild imagination. And I don't know if that's an autistic thing or not, but that's certainly me and every day was I woke up every day like you know ready I I I just loved being alive when I was little not so much when I was older but um yes and so being autistic now as an adult being able to support my autistic children like that is you know that's my life that's 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 my reason to to kind of to to get up every day is to is to make the world better for my children and that's and I can have unique insight into how to do that having similar feelings myself so that that would be the best thing amazing that's lovely and I think yeah I, I I think autistic joy is something that isn't talked about enough but that's yes. joy and wonder it's unfiltered and you know my son Dara has written a book and he talks about the, that a lot you know that no you're not going to tone down my joy thank you very much you know and he was bullied a lot for that you know for 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 having that joy and I was as a teenager certainly so I suppressed it and and masked it and and balled it up and one of the great joys now is to tell my children no you don't have to do that you know you don't you you know I, I I rejoice as much as and 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 I've got back in touch with that sense in myself as well so that has just been the most wonderful thing and my kids say you're just a big kid you know you're (laughs) I'm the one who always you know we're we're walking down a path and I'm like oh what's this and kind of go down the other path you know that's amazing um so do you think you've changed much you kind of hinted at a little bit there do you think you've changed much from your younger self that's so interesting because I was actually having a conversation with my husband um, a couple of weeks ago and I said, I feel more like my old self than I have done since like those mid years, probably, well, not mid years, <laughs> mid decades, like <laughs> from my teenage years until, you know, becoming a parent at like 30 or whatever, you know, those were, 
I was trying very hard to be someone I was definitely not. And really just since having children, I've really connected. And even more so now because I just, I'm so comfortable with myself. Like, and, and, and I can't believe I'm actually saying that. <laughs> just, it still feels so weird, but I am unapologetically me, myself. And I, I, you know, it's every day I love waking up and being me. <laughs> it's been a long time to get there, but yeah. So I just feel that joy, that autistic joy that you talk about. And I wake up and I feel that every day, despite life's challenges, despite, you know, or, or you know, the, 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 you know, the, hor- the horribleness that, that the world seem, you know, that the world's place seems to be. Um, and even, you know, my problem solving abilities are, you know, they become so clarified when you're more joyful in life. It's I've just learned, you know, over the last 10 years, really learned that that everything becomes easier when you're more joyful. Everything. Well, that is a, a fabulous note to end on. I think. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you want to know more about Middletown, you can find us on Twitter at Autism Centre or on Facebook or Instagram at Middletown Centre for Autism.